And welcome, everyone, to the Toncast with host Gregory Jones. That's me. Hi, I'm Gregory Jones. And my special guest today, uh, first time, I think, on the show, um, Todd Anderson, Todd Robert Anderson. How you doing, Greg? It's, it's nice to be uh, on your show. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks, man. It's great to have you here. I, um, you haven't been on the show before, right? Uh, no, I've never been on your show before. I've, uh, or maybe I have. Have I? I feel like I did it. I did. I was on your show a bunch of years ago. Now that I think about it, and I remember I had a hard time hearing you. Yeah, re- yeah, that's right. We had a we had a terrible experience actually because uh, I we were trying to work out. It wasn't. I think Zoom hadn't been invented yet. Uh-uh. So so it was like it was some sort of really weird uh, combination of what were we? What were we on? Were we on some sort of phone line? Yeah, we were on a phone. Uh, and you, you were on the phone and I was at a computer and oddly like my, it it was your show, but my voice was very clear and your voice sounded like it was coming from very, very far away. Yeah. It sounded like I was talking into a, like into a seashell. Yeah. Into a seashell. Yeah. And then somebody, and then, and then somebody was like throwing the seashell to you Mm -hmm. like a half second later. Then and then you would listen to the seashell, yeah. which is the way I think they communicate in some civilization, <laughs> well, in some ancient civilizations. It was a different time, uh, Greg. Things were uh, different back then, and we don't have all the technology that we have today. Uh, I want to tell I want to tell all my listeners, all my loyal listeners, that um, that I, you're lucky you cannot see the show because Todd is his hair is just fascinating. It's like. Uh, it's a science project. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's Yahoo serious. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Yahoo serious. Wow, that's eighties, right? Eighties reference. Nineties, maybe early nineties. Nineties, late eighties, early nineties, somewhere in there. Yeah, Yahoo serious. Was that a? Was he like a magician or was he an actor? He was, uh, I believe, an Australian comedian. Oh, that's right. That's right. And he had a quick. He had a quick moment. Yeah, he was Australia's answer to Carrot Top. <laughs> but you know, I gotta give it to Carrot Top. Uh, and this is not what we're going to talk about, by the way, listeners. I, um, all of three of you who are listening—that's probably my wife and my daughter, and uh, maybe Todd's wife. Oh. Does Colby listen to the show? No, no, no. He doesn't listen to any podcasts. He's he—he's uh, too busy. He's too busy living life. And my wife never listens uh, or watches anything I do because I think she finds it um, stressful. You mean she doesn't even watch, she didn't watch you on the many, many seasons you were on FX channel doing You're the Worst? Uh, no, that was one of the few things that she's watched me on. Um, uh, but I think it's because she likes the way Stephen Falk writes. Right. It was, right. I was, yeah. luckily. It's an entertaining show. Yeah, it was entertaining. And luckily for my wife, I was only in maybe like half the episodes you know, and it wasn't always heavy. Sometimes I just pop in for a few moments, so it was easier yeah. for her to to take that medicine with the larger spoonful of sugar. That was the rest of the show. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna nice metaphor. I'm not gonna talk about. Uh, that's not our main thing that we're going to talk about because our main thing is a very special thing. Oh, okay. But I just want to like get some of this like Yahoo serious stuff out of the way early. <laughs> so, you know how they do on, you know how they do on podcasts where they're like, hey, let's talk about a bunch of weird random crap and then we'll talk about like the thing we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's what they. You know? That's the that's the way it works. That's the structure of a, a podcast in general. A podcast, yeah, like a yeah, rambling yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that you didn't do like ten to twenty just about yourself right now. Because a lot... 10 to 20 minutes just me talking about myself, like a Mark Maron monologue about uh, how I feel today, uh-huh. how my meds are doing, uh-huh. what's going on with uh, my girlfriend. He always has a girlfriend. Uh-huh. Or maybe she, or maybe she's a wife now. No, no. He had a girlfriend and then she died. She oh, sorry, yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry, Mark. That's a very, actually a very sad story, yeah. No. But I don't... It, it, this will not disrespect her death, I don't think, by saying I don't care for Mark Maron's show, personally. <laughs> I think I find it to be I find it to be a lot of him as a comedian complaining about not being an actor. So he's like, yeah, you know, and then I auditioned for SNL. Did I mention I auditioned for SNL? And then I was up for this movie with Robert De Niro. Did I mention I did this audition like in a big Hollywood (laughs) studio? I didn't get it. You know, he just like has complaints. And yet he's had a very successful career. He's got this, you know, one of the most listened to podcasts in the world. He's got, he's, he had a show on FX. He had his own show. Mm -hmm. He was in fricking what glow for whatever that was four three seasons. Yeah. 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 So the guy, the guy uh, by any measure, the guy's had a career. Um, And yet he's just got like this, there's this neediness in him, uh, which I think I want to kind of center on as part of my theme today, which is like the addictive mind thinking mm-hmm. that there's this, that there's this, and I'm not making this, this is not something I made up. Smarter people made this up, but the addictive mind thinking, Todd, is like, there's something I'm missing that as soon as I get that thing, then I'll feel whole and good and worthy of love and, and happiness. Yeah. And that is an error in thinking. That is what... That is that is what I think drives a lot of uh, people. I mean, it's driven me for my entire life, actually. When we met, I was uh, just a Mr. Addictive Mind, mm. which is not uncommon. You know, you, you grow up and you think, well, I just if I just, like, get a certain amount of stuff and I act a certain way, then I can get, like, a certain kind of girlfriend or wife, and then I can get a certain kind of job, and then I can get a certain kind of status, and I can get a certain kind of car, and a certain kind of house, and a certain a certain kind of kid and then suddenly it's like that I've I've created this like this amount of basically stuff that's supposed to make me happy and yet uh, I still have this like gaping hole in my soul and uh, I'm still not happy and and what is that what is that so for Mark Maron it's this like I'm sure he's had plenty of therapy therapists could his therapist could be much more articulate about this but I think it's something like uh, he's got this, even regardless of what he has, he, the things that he didn't get or doesn't have are the things that drive him nuts and drive him to distraction and drive him into despair and bitterness. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's the human condition. I'm not blaming Mark Marin for that. He's not, he's not unique in that way. He just happens to have a microphone every day that it's part of his shtick. It's part of his Woody Allen-ish uh, you know, uh, self like like a narcissistic sort of uh, self reflection. Now, when I say Woody Allenish, I want to be very specific. Mark Maron, as far as I know, uh, is not like a dirty old man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm also not 
if Woody's listening, because I know Woody loves podcasts. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I don't even think. I don't even think Woody knows what, a, if, what, a, what if, an iPod is. Should we play is, some jazz? I mean, if you think he's listening, maybe we should start playing some jazz. Yeah, I have my clarinet right here. Um, I, I just think uh, for the Woody Allen fans out there, and I actually am of his like stuff until he kind of went off the rails there at the end of the '80s. But um, he, uh, I, I have no, I have no idea if he actually molested his uh, daughter, and I have no opinion on his Sunyi marriage, which has now lasted like 25 mm-hmm. years. And I have, and his relationship, obviously, with uh, Ronan Farrow is strained. I have no opinion on. It. I have no way of knowing, and I am not here to judge him for that. I'm also not going to. We. I don't want to talk about cancel culture, but I'm not going to not watch an old Woody Allen movie that I like, um, because I think he he has he's been accused of something that I think maybe he did. I'm just that's not that's not where I am with him, mm-hmm. and yet I am there with like Bill Cosby. Sure. Um, well, because I think those are like night and day. I think there are two different skin colors aside. Same thing with Louis C.K. I can't watch the old Louis show on also on FX. I can't watch it anymore. Can you watch Louis? Did you ever? Watch I loved Louis, uh, Louis. Um, and and I have show. all of his. I, I I have his HBO show on DVD, uh, Lucky Louis, which was really really funny. Uh, and then I. That was a, like a three-camera sort of, ver- like a sitcom. They tried to do it like a, in a studio audience kind of Yeah, thing. it was like sort of like, it, it was like an old-timey sitcom with, you know, modern sensibilities and, you know, very R-rated humor. Um, and it, it was really funny. Um, and I, and I you know, loved his stand-up too, so I have all these stand-up uh, uh, specials on, on disc, like basically up until The Scandal. And I haven't watched him since. Uh, but so when you say the scandal, are you talking about the second surfacing of Dylan Farrow and all of the? No, no, not Woody. Was I was talking about scandal? Louis C.K., not Woody Allen. Oh, sorry, I was still no, back no. on Woody. Uh, I, I had moved on to Louis. <laughs> well, it was interesting. I mean, Woody. <laughs> well, we had moved on to Louis, and then I went back in my mind. Right. Yeah. Randomly. That, so to answer your question about so Louis, since the scandal, no, right? Since the right, I can't okay. look at Louis anymore, and it's a bummer uh, because I know. I mean, I know those old stand-up routines are really funny, uh, but uh, you know, I can't, I, I can't watch it. It's gross. I, and honest to God, I have the same uh, problem with Woody Allen, and I certainly uh, uh, d- don't. I, I've stopped engaging with Woody Allen apologists, uh, and and but I'm the same way. <laughs> uh, I, I, as far as Woody Allen's old stuff. I'll watch it. I mean, I really, I still think Crimes and Misdemeanors is is one of my favorite movies, but. One, like you, I lost interest in his movies before I was aware of the scandals. So I was already not that into Woody Allen movies. You know, once you get into Husbands and Wives and Beyond, there's a couple of blips of stuff that I thought were okay. But for the most part, I wasn't liking them and I sort of stopped bothering. Um, Yeah, every once in a while, it seems like he actually was trying or he actually got struck with an idea like uh, Blue Valentine was that like was like that for me when uh, I guess it was Kate Blanchett won an Oscar mm-hmm. for I thought oh well this is really why is it why is all this other stuff if you like follow his every year production model why is everything around it so crap now and then that surfaces whereas in the old days I mean when you and I were growing up it seemed like he was coming out with a new movie every year that was just as funny and revelatory and of the time yeah. 
Now, a lot of those things don't age well, obviously. Jokes in Play It Again, Sam, jokes in Annie Hall, jokes in uh, definitely Manhattan don't work now uh, because the culture was just different then. That's that's and I'm not going to put that on him. I'm just saying sure. that was that was when that sure. was. That's what that's what happens to comedy. Comedy mostly ages. This is actually just to keep all the listeners in in the in the in the uh, just to keep everybody uh, up to date, what's going on? This is still not what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that's that's but good. I just, I'm glad we're not talking about yeah. it. But I mean, yeah. to answer your question about the quality of his movies, I I have a theory about artists in general, especially like auteur filmmakers like this. Is once they're inside a bubble of yes men and they can basically do whatever they want and there's no outside influence on them i i feel like that that becomes a problem their movies become in general blander and less interesting i mean i i think that's true about most i mean i feel that way about spielberg too i think most of his more modern movies don't have the energy or flair of the old ones because he's just doesn't he doesn't have anyone in his camp saying no no don't do that yeah, don't, yeah. It's so funny when you said that, Todd. I, I, because I, I agree with you actually, and I think when you said that, I thought of The Irishman, which I actually slogged through last year because I have a friend. We have a mutual friend, Stephanie Kurtzuba, who was in it. Remember oh, yeah. Stephanie? She was at M- she was at NYU. She was De Niro's wife. Oh, in right, that movie. right, right. Oh, that's funny. Did you I see, did that? see that? I didn't. I didn't uh, make that connection. <laughs> I'm gonna... She, she's well. She doesn't get to say much. She has a few lines, and then the rest of the time, you you see a ton of footage of her and the other, the lady playing Pesci's wife, like on that sort of frame story road trip. You see them like smoking, having a smoke break by the side of the road while. De Niro is talking to Pesci and having his memories. And then we go back into the story story. But Stephanie's in it, and she's fantastic. She's an amazing actor. Go, Stephanie. Um, she's also in Bad Education, which is that newer movie that was on HBO, I think, with uh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, right. And Didn't that get Emmys and stuff? And Emmys? Didn't that get... Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's it's about a real Long Island high school that where the principal was embezzling. Anyway... She is Stephanie Katsuba, awesome. The Irishman, not awesome. And I think it's because, in my opinion, and I think it's because uh, he just doesn't, at this point, Netflix is like, here's the money, do whatever you want. He doesn't have anybody giving him notes. And it seems like Thelma Schoonmaker, even though she's still cutting his movies, doesn't, it doesn't uh, have the, the energy anymore to, to trim him down. Mm. The way he he needs to be because that movie could have been at least an hour. For shorter. sure, I don't know. Did you see? I it? did uh, see it, and I, I if I could have same thing with Silence before that. Sorry, the movie Silence about uh, the the priests who were you know persecuted in Japan. Oh, same right. kind of thing. Yes. It was like why why is this movie so yeah. long? Yeah, well, and I, I think that's part of it is that there's no there's nobody telling him because he's a legend. So who tells a legend, right. eh, I don't think you should do that. Who says to a legend like Martin Scorsese, look, Marty, sit down, calm down, calm down, Marty, calm, calm down. <laughs> I just, one thing I want to say, um, let's look at the works of Francis Ford Coppola, your friend, Francis, and you look at The Godfather too. And when he wanted a younger Don Corleone, a younger Marlon Brando, what did he do? He cast Robert De Niro to play Marlon Brando as a younger person. Now, what you're doing, Marty, right now, is you're, you want a younger Robert De Niro, 
but instead of casting a different actor to play a younger Robert De Niro, which would be less visually distracting, you're giving him this weird Tron legacy thing where he looks <laughs> weird. He's like got a young man's face and then you see his old man neck under it and it just doesn't, it yeah. doesn't work at all. It's deeply and uh, utterly distracting, and uh, and and it was a, a thorn in the side of that overly long movie already. Yeah, yeah, the aging, the de aging stuff, that technology is still has a ways to go. Uh, I just saw Gemini Man uh, on uh, some some streaming. I don't know where it is now. Netflix and. Um, they're just not there yet. So it's just distracting. It just looks animated. The the younger version of Will Smith just looks mm-hmm. animated, which is fine if we were doing that, but we're not doing that. We're not doing like Dick Van Dyke with the Penguins. We're supposed to all be real. So it's just a weird... So that's a distraction in Irishman. I grant you that. But, but story-wise... The thing just doesn't work, and I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the direction uh, solely. I think the writing, the screenplay. What? Why are we? Why? Why is it so freaking long? <laughs> why? What are we doing? What are we doing? We're trying to be faithful to the to the book, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand. And th- and this is back to the point of um, your. I think I think you were making. If I can just if I can just. Uh, positively affirm your observation uh he didn't get any notes on it any any he clearly didn't get any negative notes from ted sarandos or anybody over at netflix going marty love it maybe each scene could be like a third shorter <laughs> or a half maybe just each scene <laughs> just each scene <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. The kind of thing that he, the kind of notes he would have gotten back when he was shooting Mean Streets, yeah. you know. And the studio was like, "No, it has to be ninety-seven minutes. You can't go over ninety-seven. And Marty's like, "Oh my god!" But he, but as a young man, he's like, "Okay, I got to fit within these parameters." And those, as as infuriating as network and studio notes are to artists, and as often as they are ridiculous, I think they can be helpful. I don't know how Steve uh, Falk feels about this, our mutual friend, who was a, a showrunner for five years on a, on a network show. But I, I, it seems like those kind of things can at least be, if it doesn't actually make you change what you're doing, at least it puts it in your mind like, okay, there is another alternative uh, opinion here. And it's one of my yes men didn't have the guts to tell me, but this, that actually might be helpful for me to keep in mind. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, like budgetary constraints, uh, I think in a lot of ways can fuel creativity. Uh, whereas if you don't have constraints of any kind, I, it, I, it sometimes it, the creativity, a lot of the times creativity will lack focus because you can do, if you can do whatever you want, then you suddenly become that 14 year old boy who always wanted to make a movie and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it all glues together or if it's paced well, cause it's what you want versus if, I like that. If you have yeah. constraints of any kind, if you have bosses, if you have only this much money and you're telling this kind of big story or whatever, you get creative in finding your ways around those hurdles and those obstacles. Um, and it makes it makes for better art, I think. 
I mean, sometimes it can also destroy uh, an original voice, and that stinks too. Well, yeah, w- uh, yeah. But, when know, something's f- going like something's crazy, and the network doesn't understand it, like a like an early Terry Gilliam film, and the network like Brazil, and the network's like, I don't fucking understand this dystopian nightmare bullshit you put in front of me. I'm going to cut it to 90 minutes and give it a happy ending. Like that's a problem when when people are dumber than the artist. But I don't think that's always the case. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about Letterman. You know, he's got the show on Netflix now, and uh, Sarandos is clearly just happy to have Letterman on his, like, belt of notches. Like, hey, we got Letterman, too. And he and his show is just like, eh, really? The thing about Letterman's uh, many years on, on Late Night and The Late Show that I enjoyed were not his panels where he had people sitting next to him and he was talking. I thought that was his weakest part of his show. I thought the funny stuff was the monologue and then the, all the gags, all the weird, funny crap, all the video remotes that they would do, the weird crap with the band. You yeah. know what I mean? And then, and, then, and, then the inter- and then to make a new show, perversely only interviews with a little bit of like bio sort of, you know, let's cut away to me walking around with you while you, Malala, talk about thing you know not Malala's fault but I don't understand that's the kind of show where it's like all right David I know you want to talk to people that's awesome we also are paying you a ton of money so we'd like you to do some gags too so can you please like be the pizza man and do we'll do like a five minute remote where you're doing your pizza man with, and with the beard, it'll be fine. Well, funny. I think back to, I mean, I think you can bl- blame Mark Marin for that. The success of his podcast <laughs> has led so many other comedians oh, no. to say, well, all I have to do is sit down and talk to, have a heart to heart with somebody, which so often is uninteresting. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's only yeah. so many episodes. That, by the way, is that's the last thing that I wanted to do with you today. We're, <laughs> We're not going to do that. This, by the way, is still not what we're going to talk about today, but we're definitely not going to have a heart-to-heart. No, no. Why would you do that with me? Why? With me. Why? I'm a soulless, godless creature. You can't can't have a heart-to-heart with me. I didn't say that, but go ahead. You were going to say something well, about... Well, I'm just saying, uh, it, like, that's what pod, so many podcasts are, especially ones that say they're comedy podcasts. That's what they do. Um, and that, and Letterman's like, well, I'm Letterman. I could do whatever. I'll just do that. That looks easy. You know, and he likes talking to people. Um, but again, it's just now it's Letterman's just doing navel gazing like everybody else, as opposed to what he used to do. Like even in the interview segments of his old show, if it was the right guest, he was good at letting the guest be funny. You know, the, the problem was, was when he had a dumbass guest somebody who had nothing to say they were just there to promote something then it didn't then it was clunky but if it was or worse when yes that's i think that's i think that's right on the nose and and the problem with the new shows that he's done for netflix is that all of the guests are people he reveres uh deeply you know everybody from jay-z to malala to obama and they're all great but those are the kind of guests that he was the worst with on his old show. When he had like Clinton on or somebody, he would just like get back and let them talk. And that's just a lot of like, wow, wow, wow. And then David would say something like, well, you're a lot smarter than me, but I just wanted to say that you're really smart and uh, tell me some more stuff that you know. It's just not interesting. It's not, you know, whereas Joaquin Phoenix comes on with like sunglasses on and he won't take them off. And he's clearly, you know, in a different, you know, he's in an altered mental state. That's something that David can feast on. I agree with you. I think you're right. I think the 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 problem too with that hour long format is the guests he chooses. Like if he had Crispin Glover, 
and talk to him for an hour. A man who, oh my God, who nearly great. kicked him in the face on his show. Like, the tension would be good. You know what I mean? Like, anyone he had, uh, like, I mean, you know, Bill Hicks is dead, but if Bill Hicks was alive, having him talk to Bill Hicks for an hour, that would be interesting yeah. because they have a weird history. You know, but having yeah. him talk to Obama is like, ugh, you know, for, for my money, anyone talking to Obama at this point is fucking boring anyway, because they're not going to they're not going to challenge him on anything. They're just going to go, wow, you sound really cool. Just like that guy from the Matrix right. sequels. You sound just like that guy. Right. And while we are steadfastly not going to talk about uh, politics today, or I, I don't care to talk about it, you can throw it in there when you want, but I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about COVID. I don't want to talk about how you're doing in the lockdown. I'm not going to about any of that crap. But I will say, I mean, not that it's not important, but first of all, nobody cares. I don't think at this point how anybody else is doing with it. It's just, it's just, a, it's hard. It's really hard. Everybody's trying their best to figure out how to like live day to day in, in wherever they are. Uh, and uh, well, I shouldn't say nobody cares. People care about people who are struggling. I care about people who are struggling right now. I don't think anybody cares, including me, about how we're doing because we're fine. Like we're we could be better, but we're we're both lucky enough to like have a house, have a place to you know put our heads at night. We have uh, families. We have uh, for a now. wife who supports. For now, <laughs> I mean, the, I I. I Until the end of this podcast. I don't want to talk about this shit either, but I'll tell you, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like I was on the precipice of losing all that stuff. But well, because of 2020. I mean, I can't, I can't work. I got no income. We're, we're, you know, we've got a mortgage in Southern California and we're trying to keep our, uh, the roof over our head that we have uh, with a teacher's salary at this point. So it's, you know, I do feel blessed and lucky that I have this, prison it's not as good as alan degeneres's prison uh uh uh, but it's a nice nice prison and 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 i'm glad to have it and i'm glad to be keeping it uh and i'm glad to be putting you know band-aids on on the gaping wounds to try and maintain uh my lovely prison uh but it's it's a stressful time my tummy gets upset a lot yeah, I actually threw my back out today. Doing what? Uh, just like bending over the sink. I have a bad back for years. I've had a bad back since we met. Yeah, in I like, remember. Uh, when we were both well, 19. Well, because you're six foot I, I, six. Like, don't really tall yeah. people ha- wind up having bad backs? Because your backs are so long. It can be... Yeah, it, it's it's worse for... Uh, especially if you have a large torso like I do. These are also... This is also not what we're going to talk <laughs> about. But... Um, but yeah, I have a lot of pressure on that area, and for other various like congenital reasons, it's just really uh, it, it it blew out early, and um, it's there's no going back. I just have to. It's not surgically reparable uh, without too much scar tissue. Blah blah blah. So the point is, it hurts, and I have to take care of it. I have to be very careful of what I do, and yet once in a while it goes out. When you do, when I'm doing like the most mundane thing, like the other day I was. Well, no, not the other day. Last year. Last year, the last time I threw it out, I was like putting a napkin on the table to set the table. So this time it was reaching down to get the soap on my in my bathroom sink. So this is... And then, of course, it just goes... And then it just locks up. And anybody who's ever had back pain, you know yeah. what that's like. It's just this... I'm paralyzed. And, and yet I have to like... Today I had to work. I have, uh, I'm lucky enough to have some work. I told you I'm recording an audio book right that's now. That's great. It's my second audio book. Yeah, I'm talking in... A, 
from my home studio. As as you know, Ty, because you can see and our listeners can't, I'm in this fully outfitted, state-of-the-art home studio. Yeah, it's complete. And you've got bins of socks and underwears <laughs> and a lot of great sound-dampening materials. Looks like, a, right. like an entire coat rack of uh, clothing there. That's great, actually. Um, and Thank it's you. practical. So you store, so anyway. you have socks and stuff at the ready if you need them. And it's sound dampening, so you don't have to hang soundboards everywhere. Smart. Yeah, you got to have you got to have socks at the ready yeah, at any time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not the only. I mean, we're, I'm one of a gajillion actors in in America or across the world right now who have like retreated to their closet and upgraded their sound equipment so they could somehow work. I know. I bought know, a voiceover. I, I bought a ring of, light just because. Just because nice. ju- for for self tapes. Yeah, Julie. You know Julie Benz. And her her friend, uh, Claire Kramer, they were both uh, talking about their ring lights on the social meds. And I was like, I saw saw them with it. I was like, what the hell is that thing? What is is that crazy? Is that like some kind of self-tape machine? How does that work? And they told me about it. And so I got one. And uh, it actually helps. I I did my first uh, self-tapes today with them. And and it it makes makes things look better. It really does. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Maybe I'll get a ring light. I don't have. I have some other lights for my self tape setup. We just did a self tape yesterday. You can get it. You can get one. Well, because the phone, if you sh- shoot out your self tapes on your phone, I don't know what you use, but yeah, I, I shoot them on on Barb's phone. She has a better. It phone sits on. It like sits in a little holder right in the middle of the ring light. So yeah, it 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 works well. I, w- I would recommend. I mean, nice. it's like eighty to a hundred bucks to get one, and I don't know where nice. anyone gets the money for this. What I did was uh, put it on a credit card. <laughs> um, you know what? Eventually, you actually you still pay f- that money, right? Uh, what? All right. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'll send you a form, and you, it'll explain how credit and how credit cards uh-huh. work. But we're not well, going to do that just, right now. You get stuff on the card, and they send it to you. <laughs> they give you, they give so, you a card. It says you can spend up to seven thousand dollars or whatever, and then you you spend a seven thousand dollar, right? So here's some other things that we weren't going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> we weren't going to talk about uh, uh, being an ally of the Black Lives Matter movement because I thought about doing that, and then I thought, well, to do that really. Uh, well, we'd have to get a person of color, like a friend of color, on the show to talk with us oh. about well, w- uh, what that's all about. W- who wants to listen to two white guys talk about uh, being allies? You know, it's like it's like two it's like two idiots in in a closet, literally in the dark without a flashlight. Like we need somebody to help us show show us the way yeah, on that sure. kind of stuff. So we're not going to do that. Uh, although I, I try to be an ally as much as I can. Um, um, so we're not going to do that. Um, I think people on social media too are very sensitive about it. If two white dudes are talking, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I have a number of friends of color, and I ask them these things all the time, and they're like, "Well, I'd rather you right. be talking about it than not." Okay, so well, that's good. About. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're not going to. No, talk about no, of course today. not. I don't want to talk about who I'm an uh, ally to or not. <laughs> Or, or what you politically support or not? It's pretty. Um, I'm, I'm a single issue voter. I mean, we can get that out of the way right away. Okay, and wait, hang on. Let me, let me guess your your issue. Your issue is 
uh, legalization of marijuana. No. No, I mean, that's an important was, issue, and I'm all for it, but it's not how I vote. I vote according to one issue. That was, that was, a, one issue. That was a poor joke based on oh, your Oh, hair. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But it was a, it was a poor Th- joke. That's go okay. Ahead. Uh, I mean, I, I've smoked weed before we did this, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that... But recreational pot is, illeg- is legal, is perfectly legal in yeah, California. Yeah, yeah, so. but I have a medical marijuana card, so for me, it's, it's, me- oh, it's medical. It's not for. F- oh, is that for the? Is that for the I apnea? Don't do it for fun. No, you don't smoke for apnea. <laughs> I don't oh, really? think that would help. No, uh, I'm a chronic pain sufferer, and it helps with that. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but <laughs> wait, wait, pain, pain, where? What do you mean chronic I have, pain? Like back pain? No, uh, head pain, head headache, headache. Head pain. You mean like migraines? Um, not exactly. It's uh, uh, the medical uh, term for what I have is persistent daily headache it's actually it's actually new persistent daily headache that's what they call the condition and it's a it's sort of a low-grade headache that some kind sometimes can tip up into extreme migraine territory uh but it never goes away there's i always have low level uh head pain and it yeah this is still not what we're going to talk about today listeners but uh how long have you had this condition since i was 33 years old Oh, okay, because I don't remember you having this problem when we were young, when we were in school. No, I didn't. It came, it came on all of a sudden, um, and it's never left. It's, it's very strange. It's, uh, uh, that sounds like it's really hard. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's hard. It sucks, yeah. But, you know, I've been doing it yeah. for so long that I've learned how to... I mean, I think, like, you have learned with your chronic back trouble. I mean, you, you have adjusted your life, and you have to do certain things... In dealing with that, and uh, this is no different, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not my uh, uh, father-in-law who passed away recently, like for the last 10 years of his life had chronic pain, like extreme chronic pain in his legs and they couldn't figure out what the hell it was. It's just horrible. And you could see he was in pain. Like it was a sacrifice for him just to like come over and hang out because he's constantly in pain, whether he's sitting, standing, you know, it was just a nightmare. And then, so my chronic pain, like, you know, I could look at his chronic pain versus my chronic pain and say, I got it good. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's something I just have to learn to live with. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were saying you're a one issue voter. Let's get that out of the way. This is still not what we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, it's just, I hate not, do you want to talk about it? It's that simple. I hate Nazis, so I vote accordingly. As, as that's not as someone real. Who hates Nazis. That's <laughs> is that, literally how I vote. Is that, is that no? Re- that's how I. Are you joking? No, no, are, you, are you being it's honest? It's the or easiest are you thing to tell people on both sides of the aisle because no one's going to say you're wrong. Uh, it's easy to tell people who consider themselves true progressives uh, and are you know might accuse me of being a neoliberal. Uh, because uh, I vote for centrist candidates in the national elections. I don't in the primary, but whatever. Like, everybody's got their political nuance, but when somebody says, how do you vote? I'm going to say, I'm single issue. I hate Nazis. I vote against Nazis. So it's up to you to kind of decipher what Todd might think Nazis are and where... I think... think I, th- I think I, I think I know what you mean. I think anybody, f- you know, who's been paying attention would know what you mean at this moment. Um, 
Having said that, we're not going to no, talk about why, that. No, why would we talk about uh, And I certainly don't want to go back and talk and about Woody Allen again and how when my mother-in-law was over here the other day, she put on Annie Hall, and I was in the other room, and every time I walked through the room, I, it, every time Woody Allen was in bed with some beautiful woman. And, uh, and, and I love the movie Annie Hall. I know I think it's really funny. I haven't seen it in a number of years, but seeing him in bed with all those women, I, I'm, I'd be lying if I said it, it wasn't gross. I mean, it's... Ooh. Ooh, ooh, here's a, here's a way in, uh, agree, here's a way in, you just give, you just opened a door for me, the way in to talk about what we're actually oh going to talk about today. Oh my God, okay. Because when you mentioned Annie Hall, I remember the scene, the, the scene flashed in front of me where he's in bed with Diane Keaton and they're, they're both smoking, no, that she wants to smoke some marijuana before they do right. it. And he says, and he says, I don't want you to do that because then you're not going to really be here and all this. And then she says, come on, let's just do it. Um, and then she sort and then, and then she sort of steps outside of herself and they have a, they have another Dan Keaton sitting, kind of watching them have sex, uh-huh. <laughs> who, who's saying like, you know, while you're doing that, I'm going to go do something else. And Woody's like, this is not good because now you're not all mm-hmm. here. Um... So where I'm going with this is sex. We're going to talk about sex, and we're going to talk about our understanding or my understanding of sex. You can talk about it if you want. I gave you a small preview that we might talk about sex today. Yeah, you're, uh, but we're going to talk about preview is film related, but it's you're you're going yeah, wide. It is. Is that it? It is. It's 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 all the way wide. It's uh, I guess sexual, you know, imagery intended. It's all the way wide, and it's. It's it's sex, the meaning of the word itself in Western culture, and then how it is reflected in uh, our our popular entertainment, like mm-hmm. movies. So um, so jumping off of the Woody Allen example, um, there's this. He he clearly as a young man, there's a lot of sex, a lot of scenes in bed with with women, often Diane Keaton. Um, in those early movies, and it seemed very important to him to to uh, that she also was having an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Like the women's lib was the the or the proto women's lib was happening. Gloria Steinem's like early women's lib was happening, and it was like women own your orgasm, find your orgasm. The whole concept of a woman having an mm-hmm. orgasm uh, and being equally satisfied in bed was a new thing or in the in the popular culture, even though obviously it was something that other cultures have known for mm-hmm. eons. So, so um, what, what I think is that sex in Western culture, in this culture we grew up in, oh, I'll just say me, and you can agree or not. The culture I grew up in was about uh, really the, the porn definition of sex, which is uh, man sticking penis in vagina. Mm-hmm. That that's basically intercourse is sex, and sex is intercourse. When you say porn, you're and talking about like 1970s porn. No, I'm talking. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about porn now. I'm talking about all porn. I'm talking about like. Well, it's not just when, a dick in a vagina. Then, just so you know, I mean, like I watch a lot of this stuff. They put their dicks everywhere. That's true. There are dicks and there are dicks in all kinds of different. Uh, yes, it, mouth, anus, whatever. Uh, but but it's the man it's the sticking in it's the sticker and the sticky <laughs> that's like essentially what's sure, going on sure right and uh, and I think that's 
that's an important thing to like stop and study. And it's something I've thought a lot about. Maybe, maybe the lockdown has helped me kind of like sort through this. And we're not, we're not going to, we don't have to talk about porn uh, the whole time, but I think it's important in terms of defining what sex is for a young person. Because for me, popular entertainment, when I was a kid, sexy movies were things like Porky's mm. and Revenge mm. of the Nerds. You guys talked about Revenge of the Nerds on uh, on on the Film Pigs podcast a couple maybe mm-hmm. last month. And what I've come to realize or what I think now is those movies are not sexy. They're not about sex. They're about power. They're about men gaining power over women by gaining access to their private parts. Mm-hmm. For example, in Porky's, the peepholes. You know, they have the peepholes. They can see in. Ha-ha, we can see them naked. They don't know it. That's power. That's possession. Also a, also a in, convictable sex crime. There you go. Uh, in Revenge of the Nerds, they put cameras in the sorority Even bigger house. sex crime. <laughs> even, even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have the statutes yeah, in front of you? Yeah, right here. I'm not going to ask why, but okay, good. I, I, uh, <laughs> let's just put it this way. I had to tell all my neighbors that I had moved into the neighborhood when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> That's not no. true. You're making that up. Despite the hair, I still don't believe you. Um, I, uh, I, I, so, so in that movie, you know, we've got Bush, and they can see the, the big laugh line, is it, and they can actually see the girl take off her panties. Yay! It's not about sex. Actually, if, and if you watch it, like if you go back and watch, or if I go back and watch it, I'm not turned on. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a sensual movie. It's about power. It's about winning the the uh, the battle or or gaining the access. And if I gain the access to her private parts, to the boobs, butt, the vagina, then I have to her mouth, whatever it is, then I have even just the looking at it naked, even just that, not the actual touching of it or entering it, even if I just have that, that's possession to me and that is, that gives me this sense of victory. Mm-hmm. And a, a smarter guy than me told me recently, he's like, yeah, the actual sex, the actual intercourse part of sex should probably be like 10% of the equation, maybe less, which will be, you know, uh, jarring news for somebody who, uh, you know, grew up on uh, the kind of the porny definition of what sex is, which is we stick it in there and then we, and then we go, 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 and then we, ah, and then we're done. Um, What he's saying is that's really kind of the animal kingdom definition of sex, which is male approaches, they quickly bang, 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 and then he drops his seat and he gets the hell out of there before whatever predator is about to descend on them and kill them. Mm-hmm. It's about, that's clearly just about propagating the species, about mm-hmm. survival. And that's important. But that's just, that's just, that's a minor part of what the larger, this very smart person told me, larger, expansive version of sex is. Sex is really just the kinetic exchange of energy between people. And that can be between two straight guys while they're slapping ass in the locker room. It can be between two straight women who are having a really long hug because they both missed each other a lot. The, the sexual nature of our daily lives is uh, it's pervasive. And yet, because of the, 
the socioeconomic factors and political factors and historical factors of how we got here and who we came from, Puritans and others, we have this shutdown mechanism on sex. Still, you've I don't know if you'll agree or not, but you've watched more movies than me. Violence is freely available, even in PG movies. Sex is mm. not. If you're gonna if you're gonna have sex in movies, and usually again that means man sticking, girl being stuck, it's gonna be in an R-rated movie, and it's gonna be a movie about sex, or it's gonna be a movie about whatever that conquest is. It's gonna there's that's gonna be the thing. I think of movies like Body mm. Heat mm-hmm. and uh, Wild Things, the Matt Damon, you know, threesome mm, movie mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Denise Richards and, and what's her name? Uh, these are movies that are like, that are, I guess, titillating because it's like we're watching beautiful people in the act of and they're having basically soft core sex. They're sure. Having, they're, we don't see the penetration, but they're having soft core, the soft core porn occurring. Sure. They're simulating the sticking and the, uh, and the, and the being stuck. That's wholly different from the just sensuous exchange of kinetic energy. So to make it sound less ethereal, let me give you a good example of um, what would be a movie that I think falls in that category. Um, Do the Right Thing. We, wa- we rewatched that mm-hmm. recently. No, I did too. Not what... Should, yeah, I did wanted you? my son my You watched it with Colby? Yeah, yeah. We wanted, Hannah wanted to see it. Our daughter, she's 18 years old, and she was like... I got to get this off my bucket list because it's like one of those, you know, uh, it's one of those cultural touchstones and there are references to it in lots of other things. So we watched it and there is a scene in it, which, you know, as the parents, we were a little squirmy because he's in bed with Rosie um, Perez. Oh, what's thank you. Rosie Perez, a very young, beautiful Rosie Perez, who, by the way, amazing credit sequence where it's just her like in a boxing gloves, just doing this awesome dance to fight the power. Amazing. Amazing. I anyway, like Rosie Perez. Then there's... I, I, she's, she, I like, When she was younger, her the, her vocal habits were a little over the top. Um, and so people would make fun of her for that. But uh, I think yeah. she's a really good actress. I don't know if you saw the, 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 the new um, Harley Quinn, that Harley Quinn movie. Uh, I was going to say, we actually, Bar- Hannah and I went to see Birds of Prey because we had one of those like weird rainy afternoons and we, and that was the only thing showing. And, uh, and <laughs> I was like, wow, Rosie Perez is the only thing in this movie that I like. <laughs> As like the grizzled old, you know, detective who, you know, has been around the block too many times and now she's got to deal with all these young whippersnappers. Yeah, she gave a really good performance. She's really good and fearless too. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but... Oh yeah! Oh god, that's a great that's a great movie. Um, Jeff Bridges, ooh, it's a great movie. Anyway, in Do the Right Thing, there's the ice cube mm. scene, right? It's super. The, one of the important things. Thank about God the for thing the left nipple. Su- Thank God for the right nipple. There you go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a super hot summer day, and they've got the ice, and they're not having sex. There's no penetration in the scene in the movie. It's not even implied. They're just having this sensuous moment with each other and then he's got to go back to delivering pizzas that to me is an example of oh it's sexy without without uh, the simulation of sex and i think that's i think that is a much more important reflection for young people especially young men to see um here's another example from the 80s dirty dancing mm. now there is off camera sex in that it's clear that at some point, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer 
Gray have sex because they talk about it uh, and they're in bed afterwards, you know, post-coital, but there's lots and lots of foreplay and afterplay because they're dancing together. And dancing is a classic definition way to exchange energy with another person while having your clothes on. And it's just all about like expressing this desire without actually penetrating anything. You're just like moving around in space with the other person. That's a great, that, that movie just by virtue of, of what it's about and, the, and the, the MacGuffin, if you will, of that movie in terms of them, her learning to dance, that allows them to explore all the, phys- the physical nature of life and how she's, she's shut down and he helps to kind of open her up that way. And it's not, the sex is sort of an afterthought, the actual intercourse is an afterthought. There's the exchange of energy and the sense of like expressing yourself like she she finds her own voice sort of in her physical expression mm-hmm. you know what i mean am i getting too trippy no, dippy with this is no, this too that ethereal makes sense. you actually it made me just realize something uh, about one of my favorite movies because when you said hey think about movies that you think are sexy which by the way i i had a really hard time racking my brain trying to figure out like you know non-pornographic and Porn can be not sexy too, but but most oh, like yeah. sex movies, you know, like the Wild Things, you know, you mentioned. Uh, uh, I, I thought of the Last Seduction, which is basically the same thing as Body Heat again. Um, um, yes, and, and and there's sexy elements of these movies, but I I don't I don't watch movies for sexiness on that level because in general I don't find it all that sexy. You know what I mean? So. At the, you mean you don't you mean you don't find the like sensuous teasing that I'm talking no, about no, sexy it's good. in I movies? No, I mean the dirty dancing stuff is 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 sexy. Um, I, I guess I just don't watch movies for sex to see sexiness. Like I, I don't look for that in movies and, and movies in general. Like I can look at something and say, oh, you know, I get the sex appeal, but it's it's not why I watch movies. I, I don't know. What if it just, what if it just, ha- well, that, that's fine. That makes sense. What, what if it just happens because you came there for something else, like um, the Soderbergh movie, Out of Sight? Yeah, you know, very, with young gen- very George, sexy. Yeah. George Clooney yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. young Absolutely, that's great. And, you, and I was going to bring up, speaking of Soderbergh, I was going to bring up in 89, This I went to a movie by myself in the theater because I was sex obsessed and it was called Sex, Lies, and Videotape. <laughs> and you figured, it's got sex it's in got, the title. It's right there. Uh I'm definitely going to so get some sex. So I went to a movie thinking I was going to get to watch like Up the Creek or Porky's The Revenge or, or so, you know so, <laughs> something like that because that's at that time what I was conditioned to believe a sex movie was. I was going to get to see boobs and that was the main reason I went to see it. Um, and yes. I saw it and I sat there and I like it's one of those movies where when it was done I sat through the credits and just sat in the theater as the lights came up going holy shit like mind blown kind of movie. <laughs> and, and it's because I didn't realize just how actually sexy a movie could be by exploring the psychology of sex in, in, in these weird cross relationships of these four people. Um, and I mean, I think that movie is incredibly sexy. All the, the, the wrong sex that Peter Gallagher and Laura San Giacomo are having is crazy and wild and kinky and, and naughty. And like, that is like, whoa, what's going on? And then Spader being his weird jack off 
taking camera footage and and Andy McDowell like finally goes okay I'll do like a confessional master you know the, like all that stuff like blew me away I hadn't thought of anything like that as far as sex because of what you just said about like those old 80s movies the that sex was a conquest thing that we were like gung ho to see happen and this wasn't that right we're going to stick it in or we're going to we're going to achieve it we're going to we're going to get it we're going to achieve it we're going to make we're going to possess it we're going to stick it in we're going to own it and that's good yeah that's sexy that's or that's and the sex. one and the characters who are doing that in the movie the, the cheaters uh, Peter Gallagher and Laura San Giacoma, in the end right. they're the ones who come out hollow and empty and sad uh Ooh, I forgot where, about that. Where James Spader and Andy McDowell have fallen in love, despite James Spader's deep uh, 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 sexual problems and and insecurity and and just uh, you know non functionality in the in the in the in sex. I don't know. It was I, that movie blew me away because I had never thought about sex in those terms, and I wasn't expecting it. You that's know, so. That's that's great. That's so. I was. I had that on my list here to talk about too, and that's exactly. I had a similar reaction to it when it came out. I was like, oh, man, I want to see Laura Sanjay Como nude, and then I'm going to masturbate about those images. <laughs> that was like, that was like, that was, you know, that was on my, like, 17-year-old brain. We're doing that. And then I went and saw this movie, and then the scene where, it was multiple, I guess, where James Spader is just talking to Annie McDowell, and they're just, he's just interviewing her about sex or about being sexual, is so hot it's so intense it's like holy crap what i don't even i didn't know that was a thing yeah <laughs> yeah and and then and then here's this is actually a good example of like the cross current of something totally the opposite around the same time there was a movie called about last night remember rob lowe and demi Moore? my aforementioned father-in-law was in that film no kidding what did he play he played uh the like boyfriend of one of the characters it's been a while since but he he's like the boyfriend of one of the characters and he seems like a good guy but as it goes along it turns out he's like a dog i can't i can't remember which of the stars he's oh my god yeah. that's so cool that's so cool anyway i rewatched it uh recently just because it was like available on amazon for free so i was like oh i remember them and i i, I kind of liked that time in my life so maybe i'll feel nostalgic about sitting at home as opposed to sitting in this home. I don't know. So I sat down and watched it. And, you know, they're both, uh, Rob Lowe and, and Demi Moore are both at the height of their, like, sex idol powers, you know, as young actors in Hollywood, sex symbols. And um, there's a ton of sex. There's a lot of soft core sex in the movie, like extended scenes of them simulating sex, totally nude simulating mm -hmm. sex. It is not a sexy no. movie. Like it's a, it's it's actually a really poorly constructed. Tim Kazarinsky is one of the co-screenwriters. I'm I'm sorry to say, and they and he and this uh, woman who co who did the screenplay based on the Mammoth uh, play, completely destroyed it. Along with probably studio notes about, you know, Rob Lowe and Demi Moore having as much screen time as possible nude, and uh, it's not sexy. It's not. It's it's a it's a movie like a um, melodramatic. A weep fest about like why can't mm -hmm. we why can't we're in love why can't we have why can't we be together you know we, we can't make a relationship work but we don't want to be apart eh. and the stakes are super <laughs> low and the structure is garbage mm. and it just gets worse and worse and james belushi is trying to like keep it 
funny, but he's not in it enough. And they've taken out almost all the mammoth except for the opening monologue. And uh, it's just a depressing, uh, and it's all about, I'm, I'm going to own you, I'm going to stick it in you, and then, ha-ha, we've won. You know, James Belushi's like, the, the, he's got that, he's got that uh, brosy, yeah. That proto that proto bro thing of like yeah man we go find the chicks and we and we and we screw them and ah and then we forget about them don't call them uh, all that you know that that very basic like it was accepted back then that that was like a thing that that straight men and it, did and it was hilarious and it's, too it's so hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah at the time I was like wow that was really that was really funny. <laughs> Did not no. age well, uh, along with the fact that the 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 reductive and short-sighted view of the of of what sex is, is is just also really depressing. And the fact that it came out like maybe two years before Sexualizing Videotape, I I, I I like to think that Soderbergh saw that movie and went, I, I have to make a movie about real sex because this is just nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, it, like what most movies even that are about sex don't do that Sex Lies and Videotape does is explore sexual dysfunction, you know, as part of sex life. Because everybody has their hang-ups, everybody has their kinks, you know, everybody has for various psychological reasons. And when you're trying to have a healthy sexual relationship with somebody, you guys, the two of you are... I don't know, maybe you're a thruple like Katie Hill or whatever. You, you've got to figure each other out and those nuances in that way. And that's what Sex, Lies, and Videotape is about. I mean, you know, Andy McDowell and James Spader figuring each other out. Yeah, yeah. Did you, was there a point, uh, back to porn for a second, because I know you and I both ha- have enjoyed and, and do enjoy porn. I still watch porn. Um, do you... Do you watch it now with a different – has your taste changed on what turns you on? Or is it like knowing what you know now about sex and why and how sex is a much larger uh, topic than just the sticking and the, and the being stuck? What, what – does that inform your porn choices? Or when you want to get off quickly, is it more like a transactional thing with, with porn that you just like go there because you want to like flick a switch so you'll – just have expunged that energy for the moment. Uh, yeah, you know what I, I mean? know what you mean. I mean, I definitely. Well, so much of so much technology has changed, which has changed the way that I look in porn. I mean, we're Gen Xers, so we're part of this generation where porn, when we were kids, was hard to find. You you had to stumble across a magazine left on the side of the road, uh, and that was That's gold. Right. And you you know that was the greatest thing that you found. And now you just turn on your computer or your phone or you can look at porn and find porn <laughs> everywhere. Any kind of porn <laughs> any, you want. Any, any combination of women, men, uh, trans, colors, uh, ethnicities, anything yeah, exactly. you want. exactly. So uh, I find now, like, when I, I – I'm, I'm less likely to crack open the internet porn because I tend to go down rabbit holes trying to find something that I would like mm. uh, and, and, and you sp- I, sp- I, like, spend too much time trying to find something <laughs> – and it's just I'll, I'll like lose interest by the time I you know it's just it doesn't 
it's it's weird. I it's not like it used to be. Cause and and also it's like I find too because there's so much. If you if you do free stuff, I'm not. I don't pay for it. I don't like. I'm not a member of. Yeah, the I website. don't either. So when you're when you're surfing the internet for free porn and and trying not to get a computer virus in the process. <laughs> It it, it 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 can become very harrowing because you you click on a video that looks interesting. Oh, it's not it's not what I wanted. But then there's all these. Well, if you like try these related videos, and then you wind up, and then right. all of a sudden you're watching like uh, like people role playing Fosest, very popular now. Uh, you know, like. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I have to I have to raise up my hand on this one. Fosest? Yeah, like stepmommy porn. Oh, I see. Faux yeah, incest. Yeah. They Got call it, it faux cest now. It's it's Fosest. it's nice. the most stepmommy, stepsister, yeah, all that and, stuff. And it's not necessarily they they throw the step in front of it, you know, sometimes to so they don't get uh, blocked, you know, uh, by ver in various states. Uh, but oh, interesting. Uh, it's it's role playing. It's obviously not actual incest, but sometimes they don't bother with the step. But it's become so <laughs> it's become so prevalent. Um, and popular. It's, 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 I think the most popular, uh, most highly searched type of porn right now is this weird faux-cest thing. Uh, so, and, and like that, like part of me is drawn to that because of my Catholic upbringing. So it's, for me, it's like this evolution of how do I get to the next naughty thing? It used to be, it was enough to find a magazine in the woods and it wasn't even real porn. It was just naked people sort of pretending like they were about to have sex or pretending they were having sex. Right. And then, and then you got right. to the movies and you got to see, you know, actual penetration shots and oh my God, it's real. Right. And, oh, it felt so wrong. Uh, my friend, uh, Steve Skelton always says there's like this evolution of porn and the porn viewer, like you, you in the eighties, you know, you'd, well, you'd see a, a porn movie and you'd be like, oh man, this is amazing. Amazing. And then if, if somebody put his dick in somebody's butt, like a lady's butt, you were like, holy shit, this thing is off the chain crazy. They're having butt sex right now. But then by the time we got to the 90s, it was like you'd get through a scene, you're like, where, where was the butt sex? <laughs> what kind of fucking bullshit right. porn is like it that he didn't put it in her butt? So and now it's like right. the natural evolution. Now we've got people pretending to be families having sex together, which is like super right. wrong and super naughty. And I think the psychology of it, you mentioned puritanical heritage, is is because everybody's trying to find the next naughtiest thing. And I think right. we've run into a wall. I mean, you know, because now, I mean, I saw one, one of the worst things that ever happened to me was looking for free internet porn. And I had heard about Speaking of Soderbergh again, I'd heard about Sasha Gray because she was in a Soderbergh movie. I had no idea who she was. Right, he had you, right, he he had employed her in a movie with her clothes on to play, to a, play role, a prostitute right? in the girlfriend experience. Uh, oh right, right, right. Did she actually get naked? I believe in the movie? I so, but I can't remember. I I remember it being really boring. Okay. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good movie. He's also had some misfires, as yeah, as yeah, you will. sure. As, and as, and par as part an of the problem will. was Sasha Gray was not uh, up to carrying a movie uh, like that on her shoulders at that time. Maybe she's gotten better as an actress. I don't know. Uh, but I was curious about her porn. So I looked her up. I looked her up. And, you know, that's another thing that's prevalent in porn now. It's gotten, so the sex has gotten ludicrously violent. You know, very <laughs> oh rough God. sex. 
And so she yeah. was like in a threesome with a dominate, dominating couple, basically, you know, fucking the shit out of her on a, on a couch, like really brutally. Uh, and then like the guy says uh, to his girl, to his wife, who's, you know, hey, let's take her outside. And then they cut to them going outside and she, the, 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 the woman who's abusing Sasha Gray, I mean, it's supposedly consensual, but she like puts a, um, like a funnel with a tube, like a, you know, like you would drink right. beer from in sure. college, like yeah, and yeah. funnels milk into her butt into her and butt. then okay. like blows it all over Sasha Gray's face, which is a, which is gotcha. a, apparently another fetish. It's called a milk enema. It's a f- milk enema. Okay. So what, so um, this this would fall under the category, would it not, of uh, the sticker and the sticky? Like it, it's just about the possession of and the humiliation of, or, or the complete and total domination yeah. of. And I don't. It, it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with any kind of uh, uh, you know a larger sensuous uh, no. version of. It's really just about I have this huge, you know, uh, you know, I, I've I've taken the correct drugs to keep this boner for like three hours. <laughs> And then we're, I'm just going to stick it everywhere, and then and we're going to do other. We have props, so we're going to do those things too. And this is all in service of just the servicing of the right. guy. Like it's a very male. It's a very male dominated. It's it's pr- watched primarily, I guess, by men mm-hmm. still, and 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 therefore it's just uh, about that. In my opinion, retrograde of or very li- incredibly limited definition of what sex right. is. It's just the it's just the intercourse part and the what I what I think of as very crass and immature possession. Yeah. Well, and in the case of this thing. milk anime video, it was horrifying. I mean, that was. Right. was You're like, like oh what, my what god, that's it, not sanitary. It, it went from me trying to get myself off to me going, wait, what are they doing? And then me going, Jesus Christ, why would you do that? Who thought of this? Where did the, are they? <laughs> Are they okay? It's all right. Can you put milk into yourself that way, healthily? Is that that doesn't seem like it's good no. to do? I'm against ever since um, nine and a half weeks. I've been against dairy products in sex scenes. Like, why do people use dairy? <laughs> it curdles. It doesn't make any sense. Why you put it in honey? Why would you put honey? Honey crystallizes and it's sticky and it's not. It's not a lubricant. Honey is not a lubricant, you guys. Yeah. I, I will. I'm glad you brought up that movie though, because that was again. It was thought of as at the time as like a, a hot movie. Like this is a hot movie. It was about the sex. It was like you're going to that movie. It was like the Fifty Shades of Grey. It really was. Time. That's absolutely We're, true. We're going to that movie to to see the sex, and um, they but but they didn't. I don't remember that that much actual simulated naked sex. The intercourse. What I remember is all this teasing playing stuff like them in front of the refrigerator get together him pouring all kinds of stuff on her including the Ill- ill-advised milk and honey <laughs> and her doing a strip tease for him again very male focused sure. and limited i think but at least it was at least it wasn't just um i'm sticking it to you now on on the flip side for that movie um mickey rourke's character is possessing her in every possible way like trying to own her, you know, have the power over her, which is a again, I think a really retrograde and, and well, and gross it's, a, it's version. like Fifty Shades of Grey too. It's got that BDSM 
element to it, uh, except both Fifty Shades of Grey and Nine and a Half Weeks don't do a very good job of clarifying that it's entirely consensual. I mean, Nine and a Half Weeks, he puts her on a Ferris wheel and then has the guy put the Ferris wheel up to the top knowing she's afraid of heights and then stop it and then they walk away from the Ferris wheel leaving her up there. She, I forgot yeah, that. It's fucking weird. It's just it's just straight up power manipulation. Yeah, yeah. It's just and, about And in yeah, yeah. and in life when people have these kind of fetishes, these kind of things they like to do, there there's a lot there's paperwork, you know. It's not necessarily legally binding, but you know, people sign contracts. So the submissive person yeah. in a relationship is consenting to being the submissive person. It's not just going to be sprung on them like it's sprung on the women of Nine and a Half Weeks and, and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Um, well, she does sign a contract in Fifty Shades of Grey, I believe. It, she oh, does right, okay. actually sit down Maybe. with them. They, they do a thing. She's, she, because it does, she does enjoy it. Like, that, that one gets a little squishier. But, I mean, you know, again... If you're into it, if it, if you're into being dominated, being the submissive, cool. What, whatever you're into, I'm not here to tell you that's bad or wrong. Um, but but my read on the the cultural definition of sex, I think, is just far past time for us to really open it wide up and just say, this is open it wide up. Is that a thing you can I, say? To open to just to just re- redefine the word sex uh, and. It really is about, uh, like many things these days, un- unlinking it from the patriarchy, from the male-dominated uh, cultural, uh, just the, the cultural dominance that 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 meant mostly straight white men have had over everybody, including women, for eons. Well, um, we have to do it right, I, I think, too. I mean, I agree with you, but I think we have to do it right. It's that. It's funny you brought up. You know, the concept of women having orgasms like Woody Allen's characters, it was so important for the, you know, that that's it was important for his ego yeah. that they also and came. It, well, yeah. And I think that and the and the women was like pay lip service to yeah. it, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it was good, yeah. I think that that happens a lot when men are trying to evolve in the way you're suggesting they should about sex, but then it, it, it they wind up putting too much pressure on <laughs> their partners to have orgasms. It makes it hard to have right. an orgasm when, when you're under the gun. <laughs> yeah, well, also because the woman, the, I know of a lot of women who are peers of mine, peers of ours, who have said to me in different ways, I didn't know. I, I thought I thought sex was just this, uh, being stuck. They were the sticker, and I'm the I'm the one who's being stuck. I, the whole idea of like my pleasure, the fact that I wasn't coming from vaginal intercourse, I thought was my problem. It's not. That's that's 180 degrees wrong. It is our problem, and the solution is you got to concentrate on the clitoris. The clitoris <laughs> is the analog to the male to the penis. That's where the pleasure. So that's where the exposed neural pathways are that's where they are that's where the nerves are there's there are also nerves that are sensitive and uh, can create orgasm inside the vagina but the vagina is really more like the testicles it's the baby making apparatus that keeps the species alive the fact that you can also come some women can from vaginal intercourse solely without any clitoral stimulation great but it's not common and it's one of those things that in movies it seems like that's the way mm. you do it and you know, I think of the Harry Met Sally uh, fake orgasm scene where they're in Katz's deli, and she's like, "What do you mean? You think they're all, you think they're all actually having orgasms?" He's like, "Yeah, I know. I just know. You just know <laughs> that they're just playing. They're playing. They're playing on the trope 
that men are the men who are good at sex can make women come from vaginal intercourse no problem and that's just not the case so so um this this is another thing about uh, redefining sex is tough because it's not just about unlinking it from the male patriarchy but it's also about women uh, becoming educated and and uh, taking ownership of their own bodies and what turns them on. Now, many of them are way ahead of me, and good for you. Um, but but uh, but a lot of women aren't. And I and I would posit to, I, this is going to kind of get dovetail into politics. But I would posit that the is it possible that the rise in uh, Brutality, the rise of brutality in porn as a feature uh, is somehow coinciding with the decreasing prominence of the straight male in daily life or in society. In other words, uh, Trump was elected in 2016, we're told, and and, uh, not just anecdotally, but there's data on the number of white men who are like, yeah, I'm reclaiming my power. Like, they feel powerless in so many ways, socioeconomic factors, obviously, they're losing their jobs, they're unhealthy, they're addicted to opioids, they're fat, they're, uh, you know, um, they work in a coal mine, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of factors out of their control and some in their control. But they've also been raised in this culture where it's like, yeah, sex is this, it's about power, it's about feeling that power. And suddenly... They're getting older. Maybe they can't get it up anymore. And then something like porn, something like the brutality in porn helps them to um, helps them to still feel like they have power somewhere. Like, I don't have a job anymore. My wife left me and, you know, I, uh, my, uh, my county lost the local uh, of coal mine or whatever. I'm doing a really poor aping of what a... <laughs> of what, what a blue-collar white man is going through in, in Iowa or somewhere. But my, my point is, it's like a, another way to just uh, give some comfort food. Like brutal porn maybe is just comfort food for a straight white man who doesn't feel powerful anywhere else in his life. And he's being told through his TV and on the computer every day that his time has passed and it's, and it's time to get out of the way so that uh, women and younger people and people of color can actually... Uh, take over society and do a better job because he did a crap job. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's a that's an interesting theory. I had no idea your show was like hetero Dan Savage. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, is this? I, I really I I don't I don't listen to Dan Savage's um, podcast. I have seen him on Bill Maher and other places, and I find him very entertaining. So I'll take that yeah, as a compliment. No, Dan I Savage guess. is cool. And he's very smart about sex um, and, and, and the American psychology of sex. Um, I, I, okay, I should listen to some I, of that I stuff. I think maybe uh, you're right. I don't know. I mean, I, everybody's so quick to, to blame, you know, uh, economic anxiety and all that stuff for people uh, gravitating towards uh, shitty things. Um, um, so I don't know if, if that's all it is because I don't think it's just um, white uh, <laughs> working class guys who are watching this rough sex porn. Uh, I, I think 
And, and, and I, Dave Foley uh, told me a number of years ago, uh, his wife uh, was making a, uh, a documentary about pornography, and one of the things that she found out was about for. And this is this is like at least fifteen years ago or something like that. But at that time. 40% of the pornography that was being consumed in the United States was consumed by women. So that was an interesting thing to hear. Four zero percent Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, and I don't know cool. if that's true now, uh, or more or less. I don't know. Um, and I would imagine that the rough sex is more, uh, draws more men uh, than women, but I don't know. Because, uh, you know, everybody's got their something. Um, but yeah. I do wonder how much of it has to do with what you're talking about, because, you know, in the 80s, we grew up in these Porky's movies and these Revenge of the Nerds movies where sex crimes were hilarious. Um, and then as we've grown up, we've been gr- like, oh, wait a sec, guys, we got to rethink this. Uh, sex crimes aren't funny. They're crimes. <laughs> they're actually crimes they're, it's not good it's not cool uh, to drill <laughs> holes into a girl's dormitory and videotape them even if they are a bunch of fucking horrible cunts which those ladies were they were awful they destroyed their party they sent a bunch of uh, livestock into their party where they were trying to impress the lambda 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 guys and the, and right, right. But even so, so, that doesn't mean it's okay to commit a sex crime uh, against horrible ladies. Um, uh, and and I think growing out of that, I mean, like so much of my life, and it's not just this, it's, it's racism and anti-Semitism and any kind of beliefs that I held growing up in a very small, uh, mostly white Christian town in Massachusetts, not realizing I was holding racist beliefs uh, or, or anti-Semitic beliefs, uh, misogynistic beliefs, like those things, moving to New York, uh, uh, you know, jarred me and made me realize, oh, I've been thinking about these things wrong because wrongly because I, now I have friends who are gay and I have friends who are people of color and I have friends who are women right. and I have friends, you know, so it's like I was judging these people who I like on, in this weird way. I mean, in my case, it was just, you know, like laughing at racist jokes in movies or whatever. Um, and, and it took time and introspection and, and, and self-criticism and thinking critically to, to come out of that. And I think, uh, I think, that's something that everybody kind of has to do if they're white and in America and most people don't. And it sucks when things change. Like I grew, oh, I, see. I, so grew, t- I grew up I see. watching so t- these sorry, movies you're... where like the most important thing was me, me, the viewer seeing the tits. And now I'm being right. told that that makes me a sexist pig. Uh, fuck you. I want to watch something where a girl uh, like throws up because she gets fucked in the mouth so hard. Cause that, that's the right. way you know, it's like it's a, it's a revenge of sorts. Right. That right. That would be part of the power again. Part of the power, the sense of like feeling my own power. I feel powerless elsewhere, and my reaction to your criticism is to double down, triple down on my beliefs, and to do something even more, or watch something even more uh, about power and me yeah, having. Yeah, I, I think I think that's true. Um, so so if I understand you right, the your cultural exposure to um, a much wider world when you came to New York City changed you for the better, made you more uh, ecumenical and and, uh, more um, aware of different points of view and 
races, creeds, colors, and perspectives on everything from sex to politics to food. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, all of it. I don't know about food. Um, you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm like. I thought it was. I thought it was a little weak when I said it. I was just like trying to finish the list, and I didn't have a good one. I mean, I don't. It's. I don't not eat Indian food because I don't like Indian culture. It's just the the curry, the spice. They, they upset my stomach. I mean, it's that's just. That's all it is. I have a. Let's not let's not get off on on that on that tangent. Well, if we, I mean. Uh, I think I think we've lost the Indian audience already. Probably my, my huge my huge listenership in India just completely <laughs> shut down. But it's, it's like it's not that I don't enjoy the flavors. It's just it's the after. Never mind. It's not important. I don't want to talk about okay. my bowels. Okay, Todd. That's not what All we're right. here for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody was talking about your bowels besides you. Well, you brought you. up food. It's your own fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that criticism, I suppose. So we're going to wrap up the show. But I now. just wanted to say um, before you do, I, I, I do want you to have I do want you to have your final thoughts. But I also want you to let you I want to let you know that this show is timed to run the extent of my laptop's battery oh, okay. life. So we're we're at about seventeen percent, and I think we're at about seventeen percent of our of our listeners' patience mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So so if we so I think if they've hung on this long, God bless you. Um, thanks, mom. Oh my god! If my mom ever hears this, that would be awesome. I'd love to talk because she's a psychiatrist. She's oh, a retired psychiatrist. Find it interesting. And she was, yeah, she was like a woman who went to work every day uh, in the seventies and the sixties. I'll bet. You know, she, I'll bet different. she doesn't even know about milk animals yet. Now she does. <laughs> Sorry, mom. So go ahead. You're, say, oh, you're, say just, your last my thing. My last thing about New York was the catalyst that started me changing. But I, I honestly think that, like to this day, I'll find things where I'm. I'm thinking the wrong way about it. You know what I mean? So I, I'm yeah. constantly changing on that level. And, uh, you know, I figure that's the best I can do, the best anybody can do. But too many people don't. Yeah. I um, You mentioned social media much earlier in the podcast. And it was one of the things I definitely did not want to talk about, so much so that I didn't bring it up. But I honestly have not been on social media I haven't posted anything at all since mm-hmm. March, since the lockdown started. And uh, that's at first it was like uh, by just out of necessity because I, the other things were going on. We were just like figuring out if we were all going to, you know, make it to the next day. And then when it became clear we were in a long term, you know, new normal uh, and there wasn't going to be any vaccine anytime soon over the summer, I was like, oh, I, I uh, my social media presence was purely about um, advertising my acting, uh, you know, my mm-hmm. my work. I, I didn't really get. I rarely got personal. Maybe a picture of my dog once in a while, but I never talked about my wife, my daughter, because they that's their business, and I didn't want to involve them in my whole my brand. Um, and uh, I also just find it kind of distasteful in general that I have to do that as a modern, as a, an actor in this day and age, that we have to have some sort of presence mm-hmm. there. So I haven't, and I haven't gone back to it. You, I've seen you, you post a lot. I know you're still very active in it, and that's great. <clears throat> it's a personal mm-hmm. decision. I'm wondering if the, your exposure, this is my last question to you as a, since I'm at 16%, is your exposure to social media or your participation in it helped you uh, keep 
a, a nice wide lens on what uh, on, on your the way your thought processes work and like this sort of self-correction process of, of thinking and growing, or has it had the opposite effect where you where you are you you shudder at the uh, idiot uh, you know the idiotic statements and and um, you know uh, just ignorance and and blind anger that that seems to bombard those feeds every day what what, what has been what's your general experience um, of it? well i would say both things are true um i i get exasperated as anybody uh, any thinking person would when confronted with a lot of people online um on both in both sides of the political spectrum even but um but also like keeping those lines of communication open for myself I do learn things. Um, I'm a critical thinker, so I can extract the important information from the bullshit. Um, you know, I'm not a uh, performative social justice warrior of any kind. So, you know, I, I don't overreact if somebody's like, well, this thing that you've been doing is actually racist, but I will think about it. You know, and I'm not going to run around and start pointing it out to everybody, but I'll go, oh, you know, I, that makes sense. Uh, sometimes I read those things and go, I think you're off base. Um, it, it's, you know, and but I do, I have to take days off sometimes because especially in election year. Right now, this next couple of weeks before the vote and probably a couple of weeks after, it's it's going to be ugly. Um, so I'll, I'll probably, probably yeah. uh, limit my time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Uh, I think I, I want to rejoin that conversation at some point, um, but that's assuming that it's a conversation, and I never feel like it is. Um, well, it's... And that's it's, just my... That's just my... But that's that's just my own thing. It's not... I'm, it's not, I'm not criticizing the, the platforms, the way other people use them. Uh, we know that the people who made the platforms just want your eyeballs. We know that the, they have a very basic commercially driven objective we know they just want your eyeballs and that's why the algorithms the algorithms are designed Mm -hmm. that way um to continue to stir you uh usually in a negative way stir you up so you can you continue to get in there um but but that's not that's not my i mean that stinks but my issue with it is really more about like how show business works there Mm and um i I'm still trying to figure that out, but I, we, that's just like a little uh, aside. I want to thank you for being open to a, a really personal discussion um, and a really what can be a touchy topic, depending on the guest. I, I had a feeling, just because I know you very well, Todd, that you would be open to <clears throat> just getting into beyond the like, haha, we're talking about penises. We, we get past that part. As soon as you brought up sex, into- I have had an erection this entire time. <laughs> very comfortable with the subject. You should t- you should check your dosage and talk talk to your doctor because that's not normal. I don't, I don't take pills. I think I got bit by a black widow. You know that's um, a side effect of black widow bites, right? An erection direction? that lasts more than four hours. Oh my god! Well, we're gonna close with that image. And uh, again, mom, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But dude, it was really good to talk to you. You're you're a really good guy. You're a unique person. Um, I was going to say something really cliche, like your unique artistic voice. But I'd be forget about your artistry for a second, which of which there is a lot. But you're you're just a really unique nice. dude, and I and I and I and I and I'm glad to have you. The in my feeling life. is mutual, man. Yeah. 
Say hi to Steve and Steve for it. me. Uh, I'm your guy's biggest fan. Uh, yes, you are. Don't take the game so personally. It's not. It's not. It's not that big a I deal. I just. I like to get mad because uh, it gets them. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. This is part of the dynamic. Nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. All right, All right man. Take Thanks, care of yourself. Man.